guys. Good morning. Good to see y'all. Kind of a tough act to follow. Love that song. Man, it's good to be with you guys this morning. Um, we are wrapping up uh, this series that we've been in this morning called What is 24? And uh, just talking about uh, you know who we are as a church, what God has called us to, uh, all these different things. And uh, uh, this morning we're going to kind of recap a little bit of that, but then we're going to talk a little bit too about uh, like what's to come. Uh, you know, what's God leading uh, us to in the future and that sort of thing. And so uh, I'm excited, excited about that. Excited to get to have uh, Stephen Palk from the Hope Center with us today too, and uh, he'll be up in a little bit to share with us as well. Um, the uh, the idea of, you know, uh, being a church, starting a church, uh, that, that's probably, I think, the, maybe the most insane thing I've ever done. Uh, I've done a lot of stupid stuff, uh, but starting a church, being a part of starting a church is probably the, uh, the most insane. And just looking back on it, it's just hard to imagine, uh, you know, what has happened over 17 and a half years. And uh, as, uh, as we kind of round this out today, uh, you know, I've just really been praying about uh, that God would lead us you know, and, 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 I, and I think that we as a church, we, uh, you know, people ask me all the time, what can I be praying about? What can I pray for the church about? Uh, and, and generally my response is usually something in the vein of, you know, sometimes I'm selfish and say, well, you can pray for me about this or that. But, uh, you know, sometimes it's, uh, you know, we need to be praying as a church that God would lead us, that he would, that he would pastor us through, uh, you know, what is to come and that sort of thing. And so, um, you know, that, that's, that's heavy on my heart, especially through some, through some of the things that we're going to be talking through today. Um, but uh, just to kind of remind us, I've got a few passages of Scripture I want to share with us uh, that we have uh, looked at in, in weeks past. Um, and we've been talking about, you know, uh, who we are as a church, gospel, family, mission, uh, you know, and how we see those things play out. Uh, you know, uh, you know the, the greatest commandment, we shared this, you know, some weeks ago. Uh, Mark 12, verse 28, uh, it says, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. You know, and, and just, uh, I mean, you know, I, to just kind of make the point, you know, the guy's asking Jesus, what's the greatest thing? What's the greatest commandment? What's the one that I got to know? You know, and, and I think for us today, you know, if we're summing up, you know, the basis of, of, of our calling as, as Christians uh, is that we would see that God has called us to love Him and then love others. And it really works in that order even. You know, that we understand that the importance of us loving others really depends on us loving Him. Uh, you know, that us loving Him is, is, you know, not, you know, it's not always easy because we're so self-centered without, without even realizing it. We go into our, our neutral automatic mode of, of uh, operation most of the time is me. What's best for me? What do I want? You know, instead of what does God want? Who is God? Who does he, who does he want me to be? 
Who's he calling me to be? And then that leads when, when we're, when we're loving him, when we're, when we're in a relationship with him and pursuing him and he's speaking to our hearts, then, then we love people well. Then we love people well. And so then, of course, Jesus makes the, you know, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There are, there is no other commandment greater than these. You know, a guy asks one question, he gets two answers. And, uh, and Jesus is very specific about that. And the truth is, is all of Jesus' ministry is, is like that. If you, if you take the culmination of the things that we've been studying over the last several weeks, I mean, really, what you have in a nutshell is the central message of Jesus. And the central message of Jesus is, is love God and love people. You know, go, go out and, and care for others. You know, do the thing. Uh, we talked many weeks ago about family. Ephesians 4, verse 1. says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity in the Spirit in the bond of peace. You know, and, and here we have this reminder that, that the Lord used Paul to give us that is this reminder that this is worth fighting for. This is worth fighting for. You know, it's worth, it's worth hard conversations. It's worth going through hard things together. You know, for us to protect what God has given us as the family of God, as the body of Christ. Families are messy. Find me a family that's not messy. I want to join it. My family's messy. Come talk to me about it. I'll tell you all about it. I know some families in here to tell you all about theirs too. They probably need to tell somebody today. <laughs> oh man. But what we see is we see the body of Christ humbly, humbly coming together, not for their sake, not so that they feel better about themselves, but for the sake of the kingdom of God. You know? And how awesome is that when we get to see that and we see that work out and we see people giving grace to one another another that they have received not because somebody deserves it it wasn't because we deserved it right we're giving what we didn't deserve to somebody else usually that sometimes doesn't deserve it too and that's okay because that's God's grace that's God working through us to do something great family gospel family and then mission you know we've been talking a lot about mission and uh you know, I, I see God's mission played out so much uh, in uh, the Great Commission. Uh, some of the last things that Jesus uh, would share with his disciples. Funny enough, and I said this before, uh, not only the last thing that he would share with the disciples, but the first thing that they would turn around and do in the book of Acts. You see this play out. And, here's, and here it is, Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You know, this is, this is such an important passage. I think you take this and you take the greatest commandment. If, if you have to pick two, out of out of every, out of all of Scripture, and you got to say you, you can only have two passages. What are they going to be? I, I think those are the two. Just to be honest with you, and I think they I think they sum up completely Jesus's ministry as a whole too, of what he just spent his whole life 
you know, giving himself for, for us to understand, you know, and, and it's, and it's mission, go therefore, make disciples. By the way, I, I, if you didn't notice, like as we've been going through this, we got through this series, I actually spent two weeks on making disciples, you know, and, and I, th- and I think that's so important for us, but I, I think for us to understand that making disciples, and maybe I didn't even clearly state this and didn't really mean to or not mean to, uh, but you know, making disciples isn't just being in the Word and growing in our relationship with the Lord with others or helping others to grow in their relationship with the Lord, but it's also leading people to the Lord. You know, it's a both and. And so we spent a week on each of those things uh, throughout the series. Uh, and, and both of those things are equally important to us as a church. You know, and, and I think, you know, it's, and sometimes it's easy to like have one but not have the other. I think, I think we see that in a lot of churches. I think, you know, it's, it's this hard balance of like, you know, are we doing better at reaching people? Are we doing better at, you know, getting in the word and growing in our relationships with the Lord and challenging one another or, you know, whatever it is. But the truth is we're called to both. Jesus gives this, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. There's that, that piece of study there. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And He is with us. It's not just on us. And I think, again, we've been talking a lot about you know, what it's like to get psyched out before we ever you know, go you know, and, uh, and do some of these things that we're called to do. But the truth is, is that He's going before us. He's cultivating the ground before us. He's cultivating people's hearts before us. We're not saving anybody. I'm not saving anybody. You're not saving anybody. Jesus is saving anybody who'd believe in Him. That's the gospel. And so, you know, and I I think for us, you know, I, I know we have all nations and we know that means all races and all kinds of people and People that look like us, people that don't look like us, people that talk like us, people that don't talk like us, uh, you know, wh- whatever it may be. Uh, but, but it goes even further, you know, and, and then we see that and we, we talked even more about mission with this passage. Now, I just honestly, I just couldn't not share this passage today, uh, given some of the other things that we're going to share about today. In Matthew 25, verse 35, we have this. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. And he says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. And I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And today we're reminded that this calling that we have is literally literally for anyone that God may put in our lives. And and, I mean, from from the downtrodden to the to the got it all togethers, from the rich to the poor to the I mean, just everybody, everybody. So, a few years back, I started having this conversation with our sheriff locally, and I started asking him, I said, Sheriff, uh, and we didn't didn't know each other real well at the time, I started having this conversation with him, 
And it was kind of an ongoing conversation where I'd keep going by, keep asking this same question. And I'd go to him and I'd say, Sheriff, I feel like that God has put together an incredibly special group of people that make up 24 Church. I said, I know, I know most people probably feel that way about their church. I said, but Sheriff, I'm just telling you, I was like, I, I feel like the, the talent that is there, the entrepreneurs that are there, the, the, the love and kindness that is there, uh, it, it, is, it is something special, and I feel like the Lord wants to do something. I said, what can we do? <laughs> he didn't know what to do with that at first, I, and I don't blame him. And I told him, I said, I'm not looking for the answer today. I said, I'm just, pu- I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. What can we do? And I told him, I said, we believe that God has called us to be like the people that we see in Jeremiah 29 who are called to go live in a place and that that place should be better because we are there. And so we began, we began praying about that. He, he began praying about that. He, he would say that. And so then the next time that uh, I went to see the sheriff was... Uh, uh, about something actually personal, and I needed him to sign something about a, a gun I was buying or whatever, you know, toy. And uh, and 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 we were meeting together for that, and and I had captive audiences in his office this day, just me and him. I was like, well, how about that question? He's like, oh, you're going to hit me with that again, aren't you? And I said, yeah. I said, what can we do? What can we do? And he said, Chris, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. And then he just started talking. This was great. And he's just sharing with me. And, I, and, and he just said, you know, we've got, we, we find ourselves doing a lot of the same kind of work over and over. And we find ourselves doing it in a lot of, of the same neighborhoods over and over. And we feel like, you know, it, it feels like a never-ending cycle. And he said, Chris, we don't mind work. You know, we'll, we'll do work. He said, but, you know, the truth is, is that, you know, we, we would love to see you know, these young children come out of these circumstances and quit making the cycle and continuing the cycle as they grow up and find something different in life. And we began, he began talking about the addiction that runs rampant uh, in our county and in some of these neighborhoods specifically. He's like, you know, we're just over and over. He's like, Chris, I'll be the first to say addiction doesn't discriminate or anything like that. It's, it, you know, you don't have to be poor. You don't have to be rich. It's just, it's, you know, it'll, it'll catch anybody. But Man, I'm just, he's like, man, I'm telling you, I just see these kids grow up in these situations and it's what they know. So when they get older, they just recreate it and they stay right there. And it's just uh, over and over and over. He said, I would love to see that broken. I said, that's it. He said, what's it? I said, that's it. I said, that's, we're supposed to do that. He said, what's that? I said, I don't know. (laughs) That's the truth. (laughs) I said, I don't know. I said, but it's something to do with that. And I said, I think I know at least one of those neighborhoods. And he said, you probably do. And I said, well, we, we've already started a little bit of work in there. I said, I, you know, I'd like to continue that. I said, I said uh, let's, let's just see where this goes. To kind of get where we're going, um, later on, uh, uh, some time would pass. And later on, I would end up having a dream, a literal dream, uh, Here's where you go, okay, the pastor's crazy. Um, and I woke up from this dream, and I just got to tell you, I, I don't have dreams where I just wake up and go, God spoke to me that day or whatever, but I, I'm telling you that that day God spoke to me. I mean, it, I, I had been praying so hard, God, how, 
how are we to do this? How are we to do that? How are we going to ever get to here? At, at this point in time, this is even before worth it. This is before uh, the addition, the preschool, the renovation, you know, all, all of these things. And uh, I, we don't have time for me to retell it. You can go back and listen to it because I shared it in another message. I'm glad to help you point that point you in that direction. But basically, God just spoke as clear as day. God said to me through this thing, you know, basically, you know, you're you're supposed to help these folks. You're supposed to help folks with addiction. Twenty four is supposed to be about addiction ministry. Somehow, some way, some shape, some form, uh, we're supposed to uh, start a bus ministry. You know, we're supposed to go after some of those kids. We're supposed to help this community to know the gospel. You know that there's people that live here who've really absolutely never actually heard the name of Jesus. I have met them. I have had those conversations with them. There are more of them. Either way, out of all of this, we begin the Worth It initiative. I want to read to you something out of the Worth It initiative. Pretty sure Ben wrote all of this. And give him credit where credit is due, but it came out of the things that we were going over and over every day, every week, um, and praying through as a as a staff and as a church body of what God was leading us and calling us to. So uh, this is a, it's going to be a little dated for that reason, but I, I just feel like it's worth it just to no pun intended to to read it in its entirety. Uh, here it is. It says in 2004, after years of swearing that I would never be a senior pastor, Aaron and I clearly felt the call to leave student ministry and plant a new church. I had always done whatever was necessary, whether it was playing crazy games or playing loud music or throwing big tailgate parties, to build relationships with students and share Jesus with them. But it seemed that very few churches were taking this same approach in reaching adults. It broke my heart to see those who didn't know Jesus. Attending a worship gathering only only to leave disillusioned and feeling like they could never fit in. So Aaron, Joey, and I planted 24 Church. Fourteen years later, this is dated, we're 17 and a half now. Fourteen years later, the vision of 24 Church has evolved, but in many ways is exactly the same. We feel called to reach those who are far from God, disillusioned by the church, and struggling to understand what it means to follow Jesus in an authentic way. We feel called to love the orphan, the widow, and the addict. We feel called to reach everyone who calls the I-24 corridor home with the life-changing message of the gospel. We want to make disciples who are gospel-centered, love each other like family, and who are seeking to follow the Holy Spirit on mission in everyday stuff of life. The Worth It Initiative is a call for 24 Church to double down on its commitment to invest in gospel, family, and mission. Pleasant View is growing at a rapid rate, and the population estimates are staggering. This community is set to double in size. Who will reach these new residents with the love of Jesus? The drug epidemic in our community is out of control. In talking with our local law enforcement, we've come to realize that this is one of the most sorry, this is one of the most serious issues in Cheatham County. Who will love those who find themselves uh, addicted and unable to change? The temptation to play church rather than to be the church is a very real one in a southern consumeristic culture, but it doesn't have to be this way. 
We want to be a church who authentically follows Jesus by making disciples who make disciples. In order to reach more people in our community, in order to reach them more effectively, we need more space. We've been working for the last year on plans to expand our building. The plans involve expanded space for our children, did that. The ability to start a Mother's Day Out program, preschool now, a crucial need in our community, a new office suite for our staff so that we can work together more effectively, needed renovation of our current space and warming kitchen, and more areas to congregate and fellowship together. This is all done, if you haven't picked up on that part. We do not believe bigger buildings equate to a better church, but after much prayer and, and strategizing, we feel this building expansion will allow 24 to more effectively reach its community and make disciples. This, this initiative is about more than a building. The Worth It initiative is about calling the people of 24 Church to go, to go all in on following Jesus. We're calling the people of 24 to invest in gospel, family, mission, would you consider joining the Worth It initiative? Pray, give, share. It was straight out of the piece that we gave out. Probably still got some laying around if you want one. Um, I read that because as a pastor, for me to talk about the majority of that, I want to elaborate on like 50 things in there, and, and I knew that it would be better if I just read it uh, for time's sake. But this is, this is our calling. This is what God has led us to. This is why we did this other. We didn't build buildings for us to feel good about ourselves or to make the place just look better. Built buildings to do ministry. Built on the building to do ministry. We renovated to do ministry. We added a kitchen to do ministry. So let's do ministry. Well, along the way, you know, COVID hit and honestly just kind of knocked the wind out of us. But I'll be honest with you, I'm over that. And I'm ready to kick that to the curb and go on and do what God's calling us to do. It means sacrifice. It means hard work. It means giving money. It means all of these things. But I mean, the truth is, is what else do we have that's better worth living for than the thing that God has called us to in this life? I'll tell you, I was overwhelmed with how in the world is God going to do some of these things? I'm still overwhelmed some days uh, with the thought of all of it. Uh, even after having a dream and all these things, that there's just moments where I just I get overwhelmed by it. And one of the things that I prayed about was like, God, how, how are we going to be able to do some of this ministry? I mean, bus ministry is pretty straightforward, although it's like straight from like 1985, which I kind of love. So it's like retro ministry, right? <clears throat> But, uh, you know, I, I think, I'd say it's pretty straightforward. It'll be hard work for those that are involved with it, I'm, I guarantee you. Uh, but beyond that even, uh, you know, we, we begin talking about, well, how, how in the world are we supposed to help the addict? How are we supposed to help with addiction recovery? What does that even look like? And so we just started praying. And as we were praying about all this stuff, we are like, you know, what, you know, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? And we started talking with other people and we looked at, you know, looked into trying to start a program, a CR or something like a Celebrate Recovery or whatever, uh, you know, and then in the end, I mean, we were still just kind of left dumbfounded. And, you know, what I've always known about addiction ministry uh, is that, uh, you know, with so much of that stuff, uh, you know, it really takes somebody that's been there 
to help somebody come out of it, you know, and I haven't been there, uh, you know, so to speak. And so, you know, it's, as we kept praying, uh, uh, Penny, you know, says like, hey, I know somebody that works at a place. We should have them come in and talk. And it was really random. And we're like, yeah, okay, we've done a bunch of that over the years. Like, hey, let's have somebody come in and tell us about what they're doing. And, and so we had, we had these folks come in and share. And it, they were from a place called the Hope Center. And they came in and shared in staff meeting. And by the end of that thing, we were just like, holy freaking cow. This is about as cool as something I've ever, I've ever heard in my life. That day we met Stephen and one of his associates and they shared what God has led them to do and what they've been doing for the last several years. I'm going to ask Stephen to come up and join me. And uh, Stephen Paul from the Hope Center, if you will. There you go. Stephen, uh, Stephen and I have become good friends. Uh, Stephen loves Jesus. Uh, he loves helping people with addiction, and he loves good quality hot chicken. And that has brought us close together. Had <laughs> lots of. <laughs> uh, so whenever we need to talk about something, we're, it's, it's usually like it's usually like within like, what are you doing right now? You know, like kind of thing. And like, all right, let's let's meet it. You know. Pick the chicken place, you know, kind of thing. Uh, no, uh, I, I've just really grown to love Stephen very much. Uh, I'd like for Stephen just to share with you just a little bit about Stephen, you know, so take some time. Uh, like you said, my name is Stephen Polk. I live in White House, Tennessee, but uh, this week I'm actually moving right down the road here in Pleasant View. Uh, we bought a house, me and my wife. It's about five miles from here on 41. That's, a, it's that's a sign. That's yes, a sign. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I'm also a six-time convicted meth cook. In 2005, I picked up my sixth manufacturing charge and they gave me 16 years to serve in prison. Uh, the stories that he was saying about the, the, the drug addicts, the, the kids growing up, broken homes, I check every one of those boxes. I, I was a terrible person. I was uh, strung out on meth, heroin, you name it, I did it. If it was a drug, I wanted it. I didn't care. I just, I didn't even want to live half the time. Uh, but that was just the life that I lived. So after that sixth manufacturing charge, they gave me 16 years to serve in prison. Now, when I heard that, I thought, yeah, that, okay, I'm going to do that. You know, I wasn't very up here all there anyway, so I thought, you know what, I'm killing myself. There's no way I'm going to do that. 16 years, you might as well gave me a life sentence. And uh, as you can see, that didn't work out well for me. I'm still alive. I did uh, basically break my neck, had to wear a halo for a while. Everybody in the jail knew what I did. It was just, it was devastating. I just, I remember laying there on the floor and just, Crying out to God, whoever he was, whatever he was. I had no idea at the time. And I just said, God, please, please help me get through this. I knew I wasn't getting out. I knew it was over. I knew the next period of my life was going to be sitting there in that prison cell doing I didn't know what. I had no idea. And I just begged God to help me. Uh, we were working. I was in there for close to, uh, I did a total of five years. I spent seven altogether. But at the end of that at five years, I, I still, you know, 16 years, I was going up for parole. I didn't think I was getting out, you know, I was frustrated, I was going to church and I was seeing all the bad going on in the jail, people that was preaching the gospel but still doing just evil, wrong things. And I remember just getting fed up with all of it and telling myself, I don't even believe this stuff. What am I even doing here? I had this whole God thing, it can't be real. And I was so mad that night, I got up and I left church and I went back to my bunk and I was just laying there in bed. I was frustrated, I was mad and I just, I just went to sleep. 
And that night, a guard came by my cell. Um, a great big guy named Jeff Madden, or John Madden, kind of like the football player. And uh, he came by my cell, and he had woke me up, and I didn't know what was going on. I thought maybe I was in trouble or had to take a drug test or something. You know, a guard doesn't just wake you up at 2 o'clock in the morning in, in prison. And I was like, yeah, my name is Stephen Park. What do you want? And uh, he looked at me and said, you're not going to believe this. He said, but God told me to come by here and tell you to finish the race. And that day, everything in my life changed. Um, I told God whatever I had to do, wherever He wanted me to go, whatever it was, I was going to do it. And I'd do it for the rest of my life. I had no idea what that would look like. If He wanted me to stay in prison, I'd have stayed there, I'd have done it, I don't care. I'm going to do whatever He wants me to do. <clears throat> you know, everybody's got a disciple that they kind of identify with. Peter, Paul, I guess I'm Thomas, you know, because I, I wouldn't believe until he came down and I was able to stick my hands right in the nail holes in his hands. And uh, so I kind of identify as a Thomas, I guess. But God has done so many amazing things in my life. Everything that I threw away, He's given back to me. My kids, I have them back. I have this smoking hot wife. She'll be here the next service. <laughs> uh, they, they actually let me out of parole just about three months later. You know, on a 16-year sentence, they let me out after five years. And uh, I got out. And the good thing is, is, you know, Hope Center Ministries... I went to prison in 2007. That's, that's when I caught my last charge. Well, Hope Center Ministries opened up in my hometown of Waverly, Tennessee in 2007. My best friend Carson and Josh, Josh is the founder of it. Carson was the very first resident. He went to the Hope Center. I ended up going to prison. But he would write me and he would send me the CR books and we would work the program together while I was in there. And uh, when I got out, I got a job there making $50 a week. You know, And I, I was grateful at the time. That's all they had. They didn't really have that to give me. But I was, I was excited to be there. We split wood at the bottom of the hill in Waverly, Tennessee. And we sold ricks of wood. That's how we made money starting out, you know. Now, you know, 15 years later, it's a lot different now. We've grown and we've learned a lot over that time. But, yeah, that's kind of how, that's what led me up to here today. Uh, you know, today we have 31 locations here in the United States. We have three in the Great, uh, Great Britain. Um, and we're opening up another 10 this year alone. So Hope Center has really exploded. Uh, Pastor had wrote some questions down Tell to me. ask me, and there was one question in there in particular that really struck me, and it said, uh, what is it that you're most passionate about? And I know I'm going off topic here. It's all right. What am I most passionate about when it comes to Hope Center? And it's to change lives. Um, what did God call us to do? What did He call you to do? There are people out here dying going to hell every single day, and the thing that I am most passionate about when it comes to Hope Center is this room is going to be filled with people that would have never stepped foot in church on a Sunday. Not only the residents, but their kids, their wives, their moms, their dads, their family. We're not just after them. We're after the entire family unit. We're going to break that generational curse with the power of Jesus Christ. That is exactly what God calls us to do at Hope Center, and that's what we're doing all over the world right now. So that's what I'm passionate about. Won't you tell us a little bit about the Hope Center for those that know nothing about it? Because I know we probably got people even just visiting today or whatever. They don't have a clue what the Hope Center really is. Uh, a little bit about how it works, what it looks like, uh, all the things. So Hope Center Ministries is a long-term uh, treatment center, discipleship program. Uh, there's no medications or anything like that given out. So when you hear the word treatment, we're not a treatment center. We are a discipleship program. We train up men and women to become disciples, fully, fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, so the three 
program is broken down into three phases. First phase is 45 days. Uh, in that 45 days, you get Bible studies every morning. You do book work. You get counseling, one-on-one uh, -on -one counseling twice a week, group counseling four times a week. Uh, we It is Bible boot camp is what the guys like to call it. I mean, we are sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And again, we get every walk of life at Hope Center, uh, every type of denomination. So we, we stick to more non-denominational teachings uh, because we'll, I have a Catholic, I have a Church of Christ, I have a Baptist, I have a Pentecost. We get them all. So we, we in that first 45 days, we really just preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to them, Christ crucified. We also get a lot of people who have no idea who God even is. Uh, and that's the first 45 days. After that 45 days, uh, Sten is up. We move into what is called vocational training in second phase. Uh, the vocational training is how we fund the program. These guys and girls that come in, they don't have anything. They don't have any money. You know, they, they, they are in jail. They've thrown everything away. Uh, so our program is basically free. There's a one-time uh, payment of $700. That covers the admission cost of the first 45 days. After that, there's no more money that they got to turn in. So through the vocational training program, which is we partner with factories around the community here, and these guys and girls are going to work. Just like every one of us go to work every day, they're going to work every day too. They're going to learn a good work ethic. They're going to learn to hold down a job. They're going to learn to manage their meetings, their church services, and everything else like a normal person. I don't know about you guys, but when I was out there running and gunning on drugs, there was no night and day. There was no time. There was no schedule. There was no structure in my life. I'd sleep two days, wake up for six. You know what I mean? So we're really teaching these men and women how to live a normal life, how to hold a job, how to schedule your time with your kids, your family, and things like that. So they'll do that for the next 38 weeks. Any money generated during that time is how we fund the program. So in the last phase of the program, it's called third phase. Uh, in third phase, they get hired on at the vocational training uh, company that we're working for here in the community. They get full benefits. They're already trained, so they have a job. And, and these jobs, we're getting them a really good job. It's not just some, you know, $10 an hour job, you know, packing potato chips in a box, you know, because I've, I've done that before. Uh, these are really good jobs. They get benefits. They're hired on full time. They keep their job, all the money they make, they keep in the last two months of the program while they're still in our care. When they walk out, they're able to put a down payment on a car. They're able to pay off all their child support if they have it fines, fees, whatever is going on in their life, all the money generated in the third phase they use to get back on their feet, whether that's down payments on apartments or anything like that. And we also, in the last part of our program, our curriculum is set up from first phase to third phase to help them manage things in life. So when they're in third phase, all our curriculum is centered around Jesus, but it's also centered around how to budget, how to use money, how to save money. Things like that. So in the last 14 years that we've been open, 15 years, we've really, really got a good model. I've been super impressed with just the discipleship alone. I, I mean, I'm impressed and love, you know, all the things that you guys help these guys do and gals uh, to, to go back out and exist and live a life, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, between work and the money and cars and apartments or whatever it is that y'all help with. It's, it's amazing. And they have a, you know, they kind of have a structure of, of businesses that work with them, work with them to help get guys cars or ladies cars or whatever it is. Uh, speaking of that, it's not just a men's program, right? Yes. Uh, we have men and women. You have men and women's houses. Now they're separate, you know, you know so you'll have like a guy's house, you'll have a lady's house or whatever it is. Uh, you know, on average, uh, and, and you may just want to talk about the one that, that you are over here 
the Hope Center that he's over here uh, is technically Greenbrier. I think everybody kind of considers it Springfield area or Cooperstown, really. Uh, it's really exactly between Jolton and Springfield on the main highway right there. Uh, close to Douglas Amico, that's got to yeah. be a blessing for you from time to time. So it's actually a curse. Yeah. Oh, is it the curse? Okay. <laughs> but uh, uh, you know they uh, they do they do uh, uh, have uh, on average how many are in each house or usually in a house, and then how many are in the house that you are. Open. So every location we open, we have a model that we follow, and uh, we try to get the house. The houses we buy are massive, as you can imagine we're putting 30 men or 30 women in these locations uh, so we follow all state guidelines codes zoning and things like that so we try to keep it around 30 residents here in Tennessee uh, I think our biggest center is Waverly the first one they have cabins very large facility they can hold up to 45 but on average we, we go for 20 28 to 30 very cool um, we um, so you know kind of where this ends up for 24 is you know, as we've been talking and praying about, you know, uh, partnering with them and different things, you know, we, we've kind of, we've kind of, I don't know, I feel like we've kind of almost like forced ourselves on you guys a little bit at times where it's like we go, we went over one night or one day as a staff to like check the place out and it's just super impressive how they do everything. And then we're over there and, and we're, you know, as we're taking the tour and stuff, we're talking about, he's talking about, you know, how they have to do shifts for showers and all that. I mean, imagine like 30 people all coming home dirty from work at the same time and then like you know who's gonna who gets who gets to shower who doesn't get to shower you know who gets to do it later that night who gets to do it the next morning all this kind of stuff and and uh, as we're walking around they got they, there were a couple buildings on the property when they bought this property bought this house uh, already and they turned one of them into a hangout you know area because I mean again imagine having like 30 guys in the, and the bedrooms really just full of bunk beds for the most part and there's not really a living room space down there because you've made all of it kind of a dining area. Um, and so they turned, you know, one of these, you know, these are small little buildings, by the way, uh, you know, into a, a living space. And then there was still another little building. And I was like, you know, I'm, and I'm eyeballing buildings. I'm like, what about this one over here? And he's like, well, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's empty right now. But we, we've kind of talked about, you know, maybe one day it'll be a shower house. And, you know, well, I can't stop myself. I'm, like, opening my big mouth. I'm like, well, I, what what's stopping it? He's like, well, you know, we just, you know, kind of got to get it going and, you know, the help and stuff like that. I was like, well, let's, let's get some guys together, see if we can get this thing going, you know. And so, uh, if nothing else, I helped start something. I'm not sure if we're helping end it, but uh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. but we are. Uh, and the truth is, is J.R. Lewis has been kind of helping head up uh, this project now for, I don't know, it's been a year yet, maybe something like that. Uh, to turn this, you know, empty building that didn't even have a wall on one on one side of it, in the back of it, uh, into a shower house. Uh, how, tell us about the shower house. What how, what's that? Do you have gonna, those pictures? Uh, I don't know if we have the pictures or not because I sent them really late. And, no, that's uh, fine. So, uh, but yeah, if just, they have them, they'll put them up there. But yeah, if not, yeah. Jr. Man, what an amazing guy. There's a lot of people in here that have uh, contributed to this thing. Uh, but yeah, the shower house was probably I'd say it's a fifty thousand dollar investment. But, you know, when you think about 30 guys need to take a shower, uh, we have nine showers, uh, seven commodes, sinks. We are sitting good right now. It's, it is absolutely amazing. That's with so, the shower house now. Yes. Before, what did you have? We had four. Four showers. Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and this also, that's, that space also going to have, like, washers and dryers in yes. it so that they can do clothing. And yeah, so we've got uh, a total of uh, four washers and dryers now, which that's, that's huge. You know, we, we actually have uh, 
stuff made up that's like a little calendar schedule that the men and women follow of who gets to wash clothes when. Everything is structured. Everything is timed. From the time you get up to the time you go to bed, it helps you. So yeah. Very structured. And, and you have to be when you got that many people taking showers, washing clothes. And many of you, some of you have helped, you know, either there with a hammer in your hand or you've helped get something donated. To all of you that have done that, thank you uh, for help making that yes. come together. Yes. Um, uh, so that leads to, uh, you know, beyond that, you know, as we've continued to pray about this, we really feel led as a church. I think most people know this at this point. Uh, you know, that we feel led as a church to sponsor a house. Talk to us about what it looks like for a church to sponsor a house. What does that mean? Okay, so uh, when we open up a Hope Center with a church, uh, we build that entire Hope Center around the local church. So these guys or girls, their families, their kids will all be at this church. That's Wednesday night service, Sunday services. Whatever you guys got going on, these guys or girls will be here with it. They are... They help in the parking lot. They serve. They're hungry. They want a, they want a new life. The, the Hope Center is a volunteer program. Everybody that comes in is there because they want to be. Nobody's forced to be there. Uh, so they, they're, they are this altar. Uh, when we started over in Springfield, you know, I was visiting that church quite a bit. And uh, when they called the altar time, you know, maybe one person would go up every once in a while. Let me tell you something. When you put a Hope Center in here, this thing will stay full of people just crying out to God, wanting a new life. Moms, dads coming up, praying with their kids. Uh, when you want to talk about changed lives, we baptize people every month in Springfield right now. These guys and girls are just hungry for God and what, and what He is doing in their lives. So when it comes to sponsoring a Hope Center, the church itself becomes like a Hope Center. You become their pastor. Uh, you guys become their friends, their mentors. Uh, the guys in there, they're just, just just like me and you. We get white collar, blue collar, no collar. We get every walk of life at Hope Center. Uh, some of the people sitting next to you in this church right now have probably struggled with addiction. It doesn't discriminate like he was saying earlier. Uh, sometimes they, people take it too far and then they end up having to go to a long-term treatment like Hope Center. And uh, that's what we would build. We would build a, a full-on community right here at 24 Church. And these guys would be here. Uh, everything you guys do, they're going to be a part of. And for the folks that are in the program, uh, obviously they would come and worship with us on Sunday mornings and whatnot. Uh, but that's also one of the only times that family is able to come and see their loved one who is in the program is that they can come to church with them. So we don't, you don't just end up with the folks in the program. You end up a lot of times with their families yes. as well, which I think is very So with awesome. Springfield over here, I've got a center of 30 people. Uh, the 30 guys, when they show up at church and their families come, we add over 80 people to the congregation every Sunday. Wow. Um, there's a financial commitment. Yes. You want to tell just a little bit about that real fast? Yeah, so as you can imagine, it costs a lot of money to open up a Hope Center. I think right now we're averaging really close to a million dollars to open up one location. Uh, now, that's not what you guys have to pay when it comes to sponsoring one. It is uh, Usually it's about $260,000 for the church to sponsor that. Since we're here in Tennessee, it's, it would be $200 for you, Chris, uh, for you guys. 200 and, bucks, huh? Two, yeah, 200000 <laughs> It's like, done. <laughs> deal. deal. <laughs> and, and, hey, let me tell you, that's a lot of money. Uh, so when you think about the houses we buy, we're buying houses that are 6,000 square foot, four or five bathrooms in them, over five acres of land. Have you guys looked at the houses here in Pleasant View trying to find a house here? It is absolutely impossible. I mean, we might even have to build one. I don't know. But uh, we have to put 20% down on any property we buy. 
So you can imagine, Springfield was $500,000, and that's before the housing market went crazy. So that's 100 grand right there off the rip we have to put down just to get the house. Now, I wish we could say these properties were paid for, but they're not. You know, we're not there yet, but we're getting closer. Uh, two 15-passenger vans, I, you can imagine what those cost. That's about $25,000 a piece. Uh, you got to furnish a house for 30 men, bunk beds, lockers, the remodeling of the house. A lot of times we have to take garage doors off, turn the garage door into living space. Uh, the septic tank, there's not a septic system at any house we buy that is set up for 30 men or 30 women. Uh, the septic system in Springfield cost me $80,000. So, uh, like I said, when I say these things cost us close to a million dollars to open, that's about what it costs us. But the part that the church only has to sponsor is 200000 Yeah. Well, um, I am, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for us to move forward as a church in, in making this happen. Um, obviously, we've, we've got some money to raise. We're already, we've already been raising money and uh, have a, a whole bunch of people have already prayed and are committed to giving to work, the Worth It initiative. Uh, and as you continue to pray about that, just know that we will continue to support this happening. Uh, we also are going to roll out a plan next Sunday uh, in what it looks like in us trying to help fast track a little bit of this happening. Uh, for us uh, over this coming year. Uh, and so please come back next Sunday to hear, you know, a little more about that. Uh, but uh, our, our hope and goal is, is that we can see this happen very near future. Um, along with that is we also want to raise money for us to buy uh, a van or two ourselves to begin bus ministry stuff uh, and go ahead and, and try to get the try to get the plane off the ground for that uh, so we're you know taking on a couple things here but uh, I, I, and if I'll be honest with you I, as we start talking numbers this week in staff I was just like oh my gosh what are we gonna do you know and then uh, I, I had a had a lunch with a friend of mine and just really helped me feel a whole lot better about it after praying about it thinking about it uh, and uh, yeah I'm looking forward to getting to share that stuff with you next week and so uh, but anyway uh, Stephen, thank you so much uh, for your faithfulness. Uh, thank you for allowing the Lord to use you, and thank you for your willingness to allow us to partner with you guys to do what uh, we really feel like the Lord's leading us to do. We love you guys. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't, I don't want to stand up here and you just take my word for it. I want you to come see it for yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, that Hope Center in Springfield, it's just a few miles down the road. Let, uh, I think Chris can get you my number. If you want to come see it, come and see it for yourself. You don't have to schedule. You just come on and see it. We got nothing to hide. Uh, come check the place out. It, it'll change your life. It'll change what you, the way you think. It is, it's absolutely amazing what God is doing through that program. So awesome, thank man. You. Thank you. Appreciate you, bud. John 4.13 Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. We have hope in what God is calling us to do through the Hope Center. But God has promised us hope, a bigger hope, a greater hope, to overcome all things, to be restored for His kingdom through Jesus Christ. It is in Christ 
that we will be able to do this and not without him. We have to lean on him. He has to lead us. Let's pray together that he will. God, thank you for this opportunity, Lord, just to, just to meet, Lord, as your body. And God, I pray that you would help us. Help us in the days to come. Lord, with whatever it is that you're calling us to, with whatever it is you're leading us to. Lord, I, I pray that I pray that you would help us to see clearly the things that you are leading us to and how you want us to do them. Lord, I pray that we would be united, Lord, as your body, as your people. Lord, that we would come with humility, Lord, looking to you to, to, to lead us, to guide us in all these things. Lord, we need you, and we need you to show us. We need you to lead us. God, may we not believe that we can do this on our own, but Lord, only with your help. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. God, for anyone, Lord, that hasn't trusted in you, to believe in you, the power that you have, the unbelievable, life-changing power that you have, Lord, through your Son, Jesus, God. I pray, Lord, to anybody that hasn't believed in Him, Lord, that today that they would believe. God, use us for your glory. We ask this in your Son's name. Amen.